The Real Chemistry Podcast connects the dots between our guests and the innovative work they do to show up and shape the future of healthcare. Why? So you, the listener, are encouraged to join us on our relentless pursuit to make the world a healthier place for all. Some may call it idealism. We call it real chemistry. Welcome. I'm Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. Today, we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is Lauren Wong, and she is the founder and CEO of The Flex Company. You'll find out more about where the idea for the name of the company came from, and it's rather clever. As you'll also hear, Lauren has created a breakthrough product called the Flex Disc and subsequently the Flex Cup, two products that have made periods much less messy or intrusive for those that menstruate. During our conversation, Lauren goes into the background as to why these products were created, why it's important, and some of the science behind it, and even some show and tell for those that want to jump over to the Real Chemistry YouTube channel to take a watch. I will say, too, I really love Lauren's answer about the future of women's health. She gives some very insightful information as to what to pay attention to. Her deserted album choice not only was unexpected, but also pretty awesome. So hopefully you all stay tuned for the whole episode. And just as a little bonus, we do have a discount for any of you that do use menstrual products. So thank you, as always, for listening. So let's jump in. Um, Lauren, I'm so excited to be sitting here with you as we are talking about in our preamble. Uh, you and I, I think, met virtually three or four years ago, thanks to our friend uh, Jesse Draper. And then the COVID uh, pandemic got in the way, but we are now here. And I think you've made a lot of headway even since then. So maybe it's better timing that we do this. I do want to start with the fact that in reading your story, I love the fact that this is such a personal thing to you, the Flex Company. Uh, and I also love, and we'll get into this more, just how transparent you are about all this and not afraid to talk about anything. And so, you know, on the site and in some of your interviews, you talk about the fact that you suffered through 15 years of yeast infections and vaginal discomfort, which, you know, I'm sorry that you had to, because that's not funny. Um, but talk us through the journey of creating your first menstrual disc as a result of some of these things that you experienced personally. Sure, Aaron. And I love the fact that you're maybe saying those two phrases for the first time on your show. <laughs> that might be true, um, actually. I, I've said it in real life a lot of times, <laughs> but I don't know as though I've mentioned it on the show before. So, Well, glad to be a part of that. Uh, yeah, I was getting yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis for about 15 years. Um, I'm originally from a small town in Georgia. And when I was living in Georgia, doctors would just write me a prescription every month. And it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco in my mid-20s did I have a nurse practitioner say, I'm not writing another prescription for you until you quit um, using tampons and pads. And I kind of looked at her like, you, you can't not give me this prescription. <laughs> and what am I going to use if I'm not using tampons or pads? And I'm a very active person. So I, I ended up going this multi-year kind of quest to try different period products from all over the world. And in that process learned that they're all made from the same handful of manufacturers. And there's no real difference between um, a lot of the period products that you see on shelf today. They're just marketed a little bit differently. And so when I started talking to other people about my period problems, which at the time for me was very embarrassing. I had not told people about my yeast infections. Maybe if 
I was dating someone and I had to tell them. <laughs> yeah, sort of a tricky topic them. to just naturally bring up in conversation, right? Yeah, like you're not going to tell your boss like why you're going to the bathroom every 30 minutes. Um, but but yeah, when I finally got the courage to start talking to my friends, um, I realized that people really had this desire to talk about periods generally, which transformed into me hosting these kind of monthly dinners at my tiny little apartment in San Francisco um, where people would, would dish on periods. And what I heard over and over again from people was that periods are really uncomfortable. People really dread their period every month, not necessarily because they get infections. Most people don't get infections every single month, the way that I did, but people deal with leaking, cramping, bloating, odor, pee string, just general disruption. And when you look at the products that we use, tampons and pads were invented in the 1920s, 1930s. There hasn't been much meaningful innovation since then. And I think living and working in the Valley, hearing about, you know, at the time it was like Juicero, <laughs> some, some other Valley parking company. I don't know. I was just like, why isn't anyone innovating for women's health? And I eventually had people um, from these dinners texting their friends and relatives. And I had, um, out of state strangers ask me to make a period product for them. And that's when I knew, wow, like there, people really want something different. Um, then I resolved to make something better for myself and also make something better for uh, people that solve these real problems. And eventually we landed on the menstrual disc. Well, it's kudos to you for doing that. And of course it took a woman to figure that out. Cause I'm guessing it was probably men that designed these, you know, pads and tampons back in the twenties uh, and didn't think about all of the things like the discomfort and the P string, et cetera. But related to that, I do want to give you a, a high five for the fact that you have this, um, you have two videos we'll talk about, but one of them is this uh, explainer video. And one of the things that was, I guess when I thought about it, it wasn't a shock, but you mentioned in the video that roughly 25% of women's lives are spent on their period. And that's a lot of time dealing with discomfort, mess, hassle, as good as it might be. You know, and you touched on this, but it must be really nice knowing you've helped bring such tremendous relief to women worldwide, and especially because you're so widely distributed across so many different stores and, you know, um, virtual storefronts. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, we're we're fortunate. We're launching in Walmart this month, um, which means that over 90% of people in the U.S. can get one of our products within 15 minutes, um, which is a really big step for us because we're sold pretty much everywhere except for Walmart. But yeah, the customer feedback we've received has been what has kept me going for the last six years. I was a very reluctant entrepreneur. Um, my family struggled a lot financially as I was growing up. And so I created this business truly with the intention of helping people. And I think we really struck a nerve with consumers because the products do solve real problems, as you mentioned. And I think, you know, for people that tampons and pads work great for, that's wonderful. I'm not knocking those products at all, but I do think that our lives have changed a lot since the twenties and thirties. You know, you have women working, <laughs> you have menstruators going to school. Uh, we are just doing normal things. We're not all staying at home, um, sitting on the rag. 
So um, it's it's been very rewarding to hear people say that their lives have been changed as a result of the work that we do every day. Well, I'm sure. And so related to that, and I'll preface this by saying, you know, that I'm the husband of a wife and father of two daughters who are 23 and 14 and very much have, you know, dealt with all of the unpleasant experiences that you talk about. And uh, while I am more comfortable than probably a lot of men discussing period health, because it gets discussed all the time in my household, and I've come to accept the fact that it is just one of those things, right, that we shouldn't be shying away from. What I loved about, you know, doing the research is you and the Flex Company doing such a nice job at talking about period health and making it a more comfortable topic. And I think really, um, putting the cherry on the the cake here, you did a video, an ad that you launched in 2018, and kudos, it's already had 10 million uh, views and, and climbing. And it's a very straightforward ad, right? It th- starts with the woman saying, "I like to, you know, f," and uh, then you know goes through and shows how uncomfortable some of the pads are, how inconvenient they are, you know, having blood stains on your pants, showing you know um, footage of that. How do we help more people feel more comfortable talking about period health? Because I really feel like it is one of those silly things that we sh- it shouldn't be such taboo. And I think if people talk more about it, then you'd have a lot less people suffering from all of these uh, you know problems that you had suffered for for early days. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I think what resonates so much with me that you're saying is you really seem to be leading from a place of empathy because you have a partner who's a woman and you have two daughters. And I would say for us as a brand, we've always been about comfort. The products that we make really deliver on comfort. And the brand that we created was intended to be um, designed in a way that anyone would be comfortable picking it up off of a shelf. So if you were going to the to Walmart or to Target or to CVS to pick up a box of Flex for one of your daughters, you wouldn't feel any kind of embarrassment at the checkout line. Not that I think that you should anyway, if you're buying a box of tampons, but we wanted to make the brand something that you could have the box sitting out anywhere or anyone would be able to purchase it and not feel that there were pink and purple butterflies all over it. Um, And that really came from a place of us being empathetic ourselves. And I would say to anyone that wants to help make a more comfortable environment, For anyone on an uncomfortable topic, it doesn't even have to be about menstruation. Leading with curiosity and empathy is really the key. So if we come from a place of non-judgment and curiosity, I think we can really learn a lot about where other people are coming from. I've learned that in the United States, more than half um, of schools don't mandate sexual health education. Therefore, girls and boys are not getting any kind of basic reproductive health education. They're not learning about menstruation. And if they are, the boys and girls are typically separated and they're told not to talk about it. And and no wonder it becomes so taboo and salacious, right? Because it's this secret thing that you're either not learning about um, at school and you're hearing about on the internet, on TikTok or wherever children are getting information these days, YouTube. and it, it makes something that shouldn't be confusing or scary or taboo, um, all of those things. So I think just knowing that other people's context, that that's where they're coming from, that they might not have the same exposure that we have to the education that we've had in our lives 
or close contact with other menstruators that are regularly <laughs> talking about their period woes. Um, I just think starting there is, is a really um, welcoming and safe space so that people can then demonstrate curiosity back and not feel defensive. Well, I like that. And I think that's one of the things that struck me about you is you talk about it so naturally that it doesn't feel like it's a taboo. And I think that that's, we need more plain talk like that. And I love the concept of the curiosity and the empathy. And, you know, I think we could do a lot more of that around a lot of different topics. Um, just having sort of started to come out of the pandemic and thinking about vaccines and all that fun stuff. I do want to get a little bit technical here. And this is for the folks following along at home, because we do have a little discount that we'll mention at the end. Um, you have two different products or you have two different sort of style products, a cup and a disc. Would love to dig into the science a little bit of like why the two different shapes. And maybe I'm just being a, you know, um, dumb guy and not understanding the difference here, but would love to know a little bit more about why you came up with two different uh, shapes for this. Yeah, it's not a dumb question at all. I get this question from everyone. So <laughs> including lots of menstruators, pretty much every menstruator has asked me this question. It's all about personal preferences. So some people prefer contacts and other people prefer glasses. That's the best you know, thing I can explain. Um, so the way that a menstrual cup and a menstrual disc work are similar in that they can both be worn for up to 12 hours. They're both worn internally instead of externally. Um, if they are made from uh, a reputable manufacturer, then they should be made out of body safe materials. And so when we're talking about um, flex products specifically, um, menstrual cups um, are tend to be more bell shaped and bell shaped. They look like a little cup. That's why it's kind of called a menstrual cup. And the first menstrual cup is actually created by a woman in the, in the 1930s called Leona Chambers. And she was a stage actress in the theater. And she thought, this is ridiculous. I don't want to have to deal with my period on stage. I need something that I can keep in and that collects a lot of fluid for a long period of time. And the menstrual cup, um, menstrual cups are designed to, like I said, be worn for up to 12 hours and you rinse it and you reuse it. And you can reuse these products for many, many years, depending on how well you take care of it. And you want to kind of, um, disinfect it in between cycles. And so um, the Flex Cup in particular was designed to be the only cup in the world that has this patented uh, pull tab, which kind of helps break the suction when you're removing it. Um, because the way that cups work is they sit inside of your vaginal canal and they sit at the base of your cervix and they're collecting the blood for 12 hours. And when you go to remove it, sometimes people are worried that it's gonna get stuck because of that suction mechanism that makes it work around the base of your cervix. That's what keeps it leak free. But when you go to remove it, it can be a little bit challenging. So that's why we have this pull tab that um, adjusts the length of the stem and it, and it breaks the seal for you. So you can remove it as easily as a tampon. Now, I was just talking about the cup sitting inside of the vaginal canal and kind of being that bell shape and working with suction. The disc, it's shaped like a disc. <laughs> That's why we named it a disc. I coined the term in 2016. Uh, we were throwing around a few different ideas, including a vagina frisbee, but that one thankfully did not stick. <laughs> uh, we thought a disc was an easier, easier to remember, easier to say word uh, than vagina frisbee. A little less funny too, disc, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little less funny. Uh, but the disc 
doesn't sit inside of the vaginal canal. So if you go past the vaginal canal around the base of the cervix, there's a space called the vaginal fornix. Most people, uh, most people who own a vaginal fornix have never even heard of it unless you're pretty familiar with your anatomy, but it's this wider space around the cervix um, that has fewer nerve endings. So you tend to not feel a product being there as much as you do when it's in the vaginal canal, like a cup or a tampon. If you've ever worn a tampon, you know what I'm talking about. You can you pay attention. You can feel that it's in there. A disc, you, you can't feel at all when you're wearing it, provided that you uh, have inserted it properly and it's not hanging down inside of your vaginal canal. So the disc, because it sits in that wider space, doesn't need suction to perform. It creates a leak-free seal and can be worn for up to 12 hours. And at the end of the day, you take it out. And there's two kinds. You can either dispose of it or you can um, buy a reusable version, which we also make, and you can rinse it and reuse it. So the form factor is a little bit different. I think the main thing that people know about the menstrual disc is you can empty it just by going to the bathroom. You don't have to take it out and dump it out. Like you do a menstrual cup, you can just pee and the blood comes out into the toilet. Cause when you're flexing those muscles, that's why they call it flex. When you're flexing those muscles, only when you're activating those muscles while you're going to the bathroom, it doesn't happen if you're doing squats or if you're running, um, you can self empty the product and keep wearing it up to 12 hours. So like I said, comes in a single use version. So if you're at school or work, you don't have to rinse it out in a public restroom. You can just toss it um, or a reusable version if you prefer something that lasts for years. Well, that's a great explanation. And I love that you connected back to the name of the, the company and, and why it's the Flex Company. That makes perfect sense. And for those listening, if you do want to see, this is, I think, maybe the first uh, podcast I've done in many years where we had a uh, visual prep. Uh, Lauren has demonstrated not only the shapes, but also has a um, see-through version of uh, the anatomy so that you can see how everything works. If you want to go see the video on YouTube, and I will, I want to mention something because this is important to me personally, that you refer to your uh, the people that use your product as menstruators versus just females because obviously with non-binary and trans males, um, and I'm sure I'm missing some other uh, folks, but it's inclusive, right? And they are impacted by this as well. And so thank you for, I'm sure that, you know, you've, that's been beat into you, but um, it's good to, to be inclusive like that. And so uh, another kudos for doing that. You touched on something that's a nice um, segue into our next question. And that is that you do now have something called the Flex Plant Plus Disc. I think I'm saying that right. And it's planet friendly. Um Tell us a little bit more why this is so important right now. And I know that, you know, people may be able to figure it out, but uh, really we're living in a time where we know we're heating up the environment and we're polluting more than ever. Um, and so this has like, I think, a dual impact in the fact that it's made responsibly and can be reusable, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we have a reusable version of our disc, which is totally reusable, made out of medical grade silicone. And our Plant Plus disc is a single use disc but it creates 71% less waste than traditional period products. Um, but the thing about the plant plus disc is it captures CO2 from the atmosphere during production. So when we're making this product, um, it's actually reducing the carbon output and it's 100% body safe made out of same medical grade materials that um, have been tested and are, are safe for use. It's hypoallergenic, all the other benefits of our 
um, of our other discs. And the thing about this disc that's so special is we were working on product development for four and a half years. When I first came out with the single use disc, um, it was because I wanted to make something that people were asking me for, which is something that's better for the environment than tampons and pads. But then when the practicality came down to it, when it came to menstrual cup at the time, they just couldn't rinse and reuse it in the middle of the day. Or I have a super heavy flow. It's just not practical. Or I'm in an airplane <laughs> and the days are we all traveled a lot. And I can't in that tiny little bathroom, take out my menstrual cup and like dump the blood out. Right. And so is there something that sits in between a tampon and a cup? And that's really a disc. I think one of the things I remember reading about it is that it is made from sustainable sugarcane stocks. And so not only are you doing it, I love the fact that you're capturing CO2 and obviously it does fill a need, but you're also doing it with sustainably grown uh, materials, right? You're not having to cut down trees or things like that, that uh, aren't great for the environment. So I was also happy to hear that piece. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and then the materials that we use for our packaging uh, for the Plant Plus is completely compostable. And I will say all of our other packaging, we just made a change this year, and it's actually more expensive for me to make this packaging than our old packaging is made from 100% renewable eucalyptus fibers. Um, and then all of our products are made in Canada or in California in the United States. Um, and that local sourcing of our materials and the local manufacturing of our products also ensures that we keep our carbon footprint as low as possible. Well, that's awesome. And kudos for doing that. I, that's probably the fifth time I've said kudos, but it's deserved by you because you're doing good things, literally doing good. Um, what's next for you and the Flex Company on your product roadmap as someone that clearly thinks very deeply about helping people, being empathetic, but also leaving a minimal footprint and advancing civilization? <laughs> uh, well, we are looking into some environmental certifications because we've done so much work on that side. Um, and that's, I think, going to be an exciting step for us in the future. We're always looking to continue to improve, like I said, uh, reduce our carbon footprint and improve our material sciences. I think broadly, we're regularly talking to people in our community, which we call the uterati. Um, so thinking back to those early days in my apartment, that's how it started. Now we have tens and tens and tens of thousands of people who we're talking to every single month. We're hearing about their problems and all kinds of different problems aren't just related to periods of menstruation. So you can expect more product development from us in the coming years. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think, did Uterati start off as a Facebook group and can people still find a group on Facebook or if not, tell us where they can join Uterati if they would like to. You're right. It did start as a Facebook. Well, it started as like the group in my apartment. <laughs> right. In real <laughs> life. The truth. But yes, IRL. Um, but yes, you can get involved on the Facebook, on our Facebook group or on Uterati.com. You can sign up to be a part of our community. Awesome. Um, Sad to have to ask this next question, and it's a bit rhetorical because I know a bit of the answer, especially having talked to Jesse Draper. Um, but why do you think we continue to underinvest in women's health? Unfortunately, I've had investors tell me that women's health is niche, and Jesse Draper is not one of those people. Um, she is one of our earliest backers and has continued to back us as now one of our largest investors through her fund, Halogen. I think about 
people saying that women's health investors telling me that women's health is niche and it's a little bit short-sighted, especially considering that 51% of the population is female and we are giving birth to all of the population. I was going to make a point similar to that, that it doesn't sound that niche, but (laughs) there's really nothing more important than women's health. If you want to talk about the future of humanity, other than, you know, obviously the climate crisis, but um, yeah, I, I just think it, it's stigmatized and it's viewed as something that is not um, mainstream or scalable. Although we have seen that really begin to change from the time that, you know, I started out, there weren't even people talking about femtech and women's health. It was just very, I was an odd duck. I'll put it to you that way. Um, but I'm thankful that there have been companies that have started where venture um, dollars have gone that have been successful because that means that more investors would be interested in investing in meaningful innovation. Well, let me turn this around a little bit and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, because I didn't give this to you in the prep questions, but as a positive, um, obviously Jesse Drapers of the world can only invest in so many, but there are a lot of other companies that have the means to invest more, particularly in women's health. Any tips to future uh, women's health product developers in terms of how to get funded um, that, you know, you've learned along the way. I know we promised not to make this about investing and this is really supposed to be focused on women's health. I think the most important thing is finding common ground with the person that you're pitching. Um, If you're pitching someone who cannot relate to the problem that you're talking about, you've got to find a way to get them nodding their head and listening to you and understanding what the problem is that you're trying to solve and understanding that it's a really, really big and really hot and really interesting market where people are very motivated to buy that thing that you're selling and that now is the time to invest. Otherwise they're going to miss the boat. So that is kind of the secret, I think, to any good pitch. If you're talking to, especially a venture investor, um, for me, I found that if I went into a room and started talking about my yeast infections, eh, if I started talking about periods and eh, lack of innovation, eh, like it was pretty tough. Uh, but what I did learn was that there was one benefit to the menstrual disc that a lot of male investors could really relate to. And that was uh, period sex. So if I would go in and ask them, do you enjoy having sex with women? Have you ever been rejected because your partner was on her period? Every, everyone who had sex with women said, yes, I had 100% hit rate on the answer to that question. And then you're like, well, I made a product that's for that. Hear me out. <laughs> and then at least they're nodding, right? At least then they're hearing you. And that was really kind of like a creative way out of failing just I don't even know how many pitches I've done hundreds, literally hundreds of no's. You've got to find a way to like adjust your pitch to get somebody at least laughing, engaged, involved in the conversation. So you walk in the room and they're not like, I'm taking this meeting because it's a favor to a friend. And I can't wait for this woman to leave my face. (laughs) Um, Just find a way to make the problem relatable to the other person, even if it seems a little bit silly. That may be one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard, by the way. And especially with, you know, we know that a lot of uh, male investors tend to have a stereotype, right? And and have very much that bro culture. So 
you know, you want to talk about a way of disarming them. Um, I love that. So uh, thank you for sharing that tip. I do want to look out uh, over the next few years and pretend we have a crystal ball here. And I'm sure this is something that you have to do on a regular basis. But thinking about any meaningful developments that you anticipate in women's health, whether that's the Flex Company or others um, that will be focused on that you'd be willing to share. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about Flex, so I'd, I'd love to expand this just to the market more broadly because I do think about spaces outside of menstruation quite a bit. There is a lot going on in menopause right now, which I think is pretty interesting and very exciting. I remember when we started Flex, there was virtually nobody doing anything on menopause. And I know a really, really big Fortune 100 company took a pass at um, doing something new and innovative there, and it didn't work out well, and it kind of scared other people um, away from the space. But I think as Gen X is aging and getting into that kind of pre uh, perimenopausal phase of their lives, um, we're seeing a lot more innovation and conversation happening there. So that's pretty exciting. I think another really big area is around birth control. So we've been talking about male birth control for years. <laughs> I do think that male birth control will finally become a thing because I believe that millennial men are going to be the ones to actually be the first generation to be open to it. And I think that there's more awareness being raised around the state, some of safety concerns around hormonal birth control for women and kind of long-term impacts and negative health, health outcomes, especially for black and brown women. And as more of that research comes to light, I am a huge proponent and huge fan of birth control of any kind of safe and effective. So I'm, I just want to be clear on that point. But I do think as more people become educated on birth control broadly, that we'll see more innovation, more education, greater access to a wider variety of forms of birth control. Um, and then the third space would be fertility. I think kind of related to some of the science that we're seeing about hormonal birth control. Fertility is a huge issue, especially in the United States, especially with millennials. And then it will be for Gen Z. Um, and I think that it's going to continue to be top of mind for folks as more and more people are trying to start families. Yeah, no, those are great. Thank you for sharing that. And the first one in particular is, is personal. And I will do a little shout out to one of our other fellow guests, Katie Couric, who in her newsletter almost daily, right, uh, talks about menopause and really, like you do with period health, really pulls it apart and I think is trying to make it less of a taboo subject um, because it impacts so many people. I mean, I would argue if 51% of the population is female, at some point in their life or their life, they're going to go through that, you know, that impact. And the other two are, are spot on as well, especially as people wait later in life to have children. And so making sure the fertility issue is not there. I have a couple of lighter, maybe more fun questions. Not that the others weren't, uh, they were important, right? Not that they're not fun. Um, but I like to ask all my guests And the first I've started asking during the pandemic, which is crazy to think we're almost, you know, two and a half years in, if you could have one wish, any wish, what would it be? And why? Tough question. To be selfish or I wish to be every... for a world good, you know, <laughs> anywhere in between. I think either one is fair. This is a mixed bag. So it's a little bit selfish and it's a little bit for greater good, but I wish everyone had more empathy. Um, I think, you know, you had the nail on the head earlier when you said, I think things would be a lot different if everybody had a lot more empathy. It's kind of like people saying, 
I think they used to say in the seventies that they wish that everyone had, you know, done acid at some point or done psychedelics at some point, because it's like a shortcut to empathy. Um, and so I'm not wishing that everyone would do psychedelics, but (laughs) a similar, you know, peace, love, uh, sentiment. I wish that everyone had more empathy because I think the world would just be a kinder place. I don't, I don't think that we would be in the situation we're in with climate change being what it is either. Um, so empathy. Well, that doesn't sound selfish at all. So, and I know it would help us all, but that's a great one. So I, I love that one. I'm putting an asterisk next to that one. Um, the last one definitely is a fun one. And ironically, I talked to some of the smartest people in the world, and this one is the one that always trips them up. Uh, but imagine you're stranded on a proverbial deserted island. Uh, you can only take one album with you. I know some of your younger guests might be like, what's an album? Um, which album would you choose? I'm I'm a big fan of albums. This is a very easy answer for me. I'm surprised that people have such a hard time with this. It would be Radiohead and Rainbows, hands down. I'm a huge diehard Radiohead fan. That was my Radiohead gateway drug as they, as they say. Um, and even though I've listened to that album thousands of times, I could not live without it. Well, that's a great choice. And I will say probably in my top 10, um, not that one, but the Benz I have, uh, painted and refurbished many, uh, condo or apartment to that one. And so sort of know the whole thing by, uh, by heart. So, um, a fellow Radiohead fan. My husband, I love it. My husband is not a Radiohead uh, fan, but I've caught him listening to the Benz a few times recently. And he's like, this one is really good. It is so good. (laughs) And it's just like, it's got such a, you know, it's, it's not a roller coaster, I would say, but it's got like these moods. It's sort of, you know, ebb and flow. And that's part of what I love about it. So um, that's a great choice. And I wouldn't necessarily pick you for Radiohead fans. So that's the part of the beauty of this is you just never know who's going to pick what. Um, with that, I will wrap us up. So we've had the pleasure of talking to Lauren Wong, who is the founder and CEO of the Flex Company. I did mention we would do a shout out to a discount for all of our listeners. Um, and hopefully Janetti and I coordinated correctly on this. But if you use the code on the um, Flex Company website, RealChem, so R-E-A-L-C-H-E-M, which is short for Real Chemistry, that will give you a 10% discount site-wide for all of 2022. Lots of great products to be able to go and order. So with that, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciated your thoughtful and very empathetic questions. Want more episodes of the Real Chemistry Podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio via the Health Podcast Network. Go to realchemistry.com for more info. 